It's a new day and time for another NCEA podcast. But before we begin, try and guess which diocese our guest is from today. Here are your hints. This diocese mission statement is share Jesus love. This archdiocese has over 40 schools, that's 37 elementary and seven high schools, and serves over 10,000 students in Catholic schools. This archdiocese is one of four in the state of Iowa. It is in the northeastern region of its state. Join me on a virtual tour to the archdiocese of if you haven't guessed it yet, Dubuque, Iowa, as we visit Xavier High School in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm Laura MacDonald, and this is NCA Podcast Teacher Edition. My guest today is Michael Goldsmith, social studies theology teacher from Xavier High School. Welcome, my friends, to Mr. Goldsmith's classroom, and thank you, Michael, for joining us for today's podcast. Thanks, Laura. It's so good to be here with you. And Dubuque is actually the city where I was born. So my heart is still in Dubuque. Oh, that's great. So why don't you just tell us about yourself? Well, I am a, as you said, a social studies and theology teacher. This is my 31st year of teaching in Catholic schools and my 25th year of teaching at Xavier High School in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, as you mentioned. I am I am just about the luckiest guy you've ever met. I have an amazing understanding wife who uh, I think that's kind of a common theme among Catholic school teachers. And I have four (laughs) wonderful children. And uh, I got the pleasure of teaching all four of my children in high school. And they all handled it very, very well, having Mr. Goldsmith in the hallway with them. How did you handle it, though? Uh, You know what? Every uh, (laughs) My wife and I like to say that we have uh, four different planets in the same solar system. A couple kids literally would hug me in the hallway, and a couple would just give me nonverbal nods. As they walked by, so uh, depending <laughs> on the child, I think I think every child got what they needed, and I tried to give that to them. That's great. That's great. Um, tell our listeners about Xavier High School. All right, be happy to. So Xavier is a parish-based high school of about 600 students, and we're supported by 11 supporting parishes in Cedar Rapids and Marion, and a couple of the small towns surrounding uh, Cedar Rapids. It is uh, in its 25th year of existence, and it is the product of two previous Catholic high schools that merged to form Xavier. And the neat thing is that those two high schools are now two middle schools uh, in town. So uh, a lot of our students have um, gone to middle schools, and they're the same exact schools that their parents went to when they were high school. So we're big into our generational uh, Catholic legacy here in Cedar Rapids. We trace our Catholic education back about 150 years. Wow. Wow. And and how neat for children to go to the same school as their parents. And mm-hmm. um, just it makes the environment that much more inviting and vibrant. And um, that's great. That's great. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So what are you doing over there at Xavier High School? What classes are you currently teaching? Okay. Well, um, In my history, I've taught just about everything the social studies department can throw at you, Uh, world history, United States history. We have some contemporary affairs classes that are both domestic and international. I've taught government, AP government. Uh, This semester currently, I have got a world civ class, and I've also got a uh, theology class, a brand new uh, a brand new class that we're starting this year. And uh, I've also in the past taught another theology class um, 
called uh, Why Am I Catholic, which was co-created with, uh, with uh, another colleague about 10 years ago. Very nice. And what was that class all about? Well, that is an apologetics class. What we do, um, I worked with a very, very good friend named Dr. Phil Dre, who's currently professor of religious studies at Mount Mercy University in Cedar Rapids. And we just sensed that our students wanted a deeper dive into some of the, the theological topics that we had. And so we take the whole curriculum and we boil it down to about a half a dozen topics, um, such as the believability of God, uh, how to decipher the Bible, the Eucharist, um, death issues, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, things like that. So instead of just saying this is our sacrament, this is the Eucharist, we will study it from every possible angle conceivable for about four to five weeks straight to really, really gain an appreciation of why the church teaches what it does teach about the Eucharist. Um, it's it's one of the most wonderful things that I get to do. I discover new things every year. And personally, my own faith life has benefited just immensely from getting to teach it. Well, our listeners out there don't get to see your face. And I do. And I just have to say, <laughs> you have had a smile on your face the whole time you were speaking about this class. Um, you know, I guess that's why, and you know, Mike didn't know I was going to share, but Mike was one of the NCEA Lead, Learn, Proclaim recipients for this past year. Um, I had the privilege of seeing you receive the award, Mike, at the NCEA. EA 2022 convention. And it was a really special night. Um, but when you were nominated for this award, I also had the benefit of hearing some of the comments your colleagues and others said about you. You were called a hero. Your former superintendent referred to you as in the top 1% of all the educators he has ever worked with. Um, and one comment that stood out to me specifically um, was your colleague said, you are better when you are with Mike, which is really why I asked you to come here today. So I could be better. <laughs> and so all our <laughs> listeners out there could be better. So if you're out there listening, we are here with Mike. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's all very humbling. And there were many people I would have nominated before myself, but I'm just, I'm just part of a really, really great group of people, not just in my school, but in my, uh, you know, in my Catholic community system at the school level and at the parish level. So on behalf of all of those wonderful people, um, I accepted that award. Well, you represented him very well that night. Um, and of course, um, nothing more than a humble teacher. You guys usually are the best. <laughs> Um, Thank you. Absolutely. When we last met, you shared you, that you, you see your role as a teacher, as a vocation, not an occupation. Mm -hmm. How do you make this distinction in your day-to-day -day life at Xavier? I mean, you're mm -hmm. doing something right, of course. So can you explain mm -hmm. to us what that means? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's just an attitude when you walk in the door. I think about everybody in the country who goes to work in the morning or whatever time you go to work. And ask yourself a question, are you happy to walk in the door? And if you are, you have to follow it up with, why are you happy to walk in the door? And there's so much to having a purpose-driven occupation. Every purpose-driven occupation is honestly, a, it's a vocation. And then when you get to share that with a lot of other people, um, just as an example, I mean, the faculty, the people I work with, they feel like companions on the journey. And I'm not sure how many people went to work this past Monday and they had a faculty potluck and the theme was church cookbook recipes. 
I mean, I had not had a seven layer salad in 20 years and my life was at its peak this past Monday. Thanks to Mrs. Moses, our potluck organizer at school. Um, Shout but out it's, to it's, Mrs. Moses. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So it's really just the opportunity to have a lot of people and you feel like you're working toward a common goal, working toward a common purpose, and you can build something more than just than just a work relationship. You know, especially when you have people you teach with, and then you teach their kids, and they teach your kids, and you know how invested they are. And you know, there's a difference between an employee and a stakeholder. And when you have a building full of stakeholders, you just great things happen. Great things happen. So I think a great Catholic school always has that. That's great. Have you? taught the same classes throughout your time at Xavier? Um, I've taught a lot of classes uh, multiple years, but I tend to switch it up a lot. I never, I never really wanted to teach the same classes, you know, for 20, 30, 40 years straight, because I feel like I'd be missing out on so many different kinds of students. And it can be a little more work to go from you know, I teach an AP government course, which has just an immense amount of material in it and just a huge volume of notes. And then right now I'm teaching um, uh, an introductory freshman level World Civ course, and we might spend 40 minutes um, working on how to write an essay and another 40 minutes looking at the essay they just wrote and maybe <laughs> teaching the exact same thing on how to write that particular essay. But it, it's just, it's really good. And I think it's really healthy as a teacher to, um, teach different kinds of students on a regular basis. It challenges you and it forces you to see things in a different way. So uh, it keeps things fresh and, and uh, I've always switched things around quite a bit. I, I agree. Um, keeping things fresh, I think, is important. Um, our students know when we are unhappy or we're not yeah. motivated or we do not believe the words that are coming out of our mouths. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to them as well. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about called to be saints. Why mm -hmm. called to be saints? I think, is, am I getting that correct? Is that You are correct with that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I can't well, wait for our listeners to hear about this program. So. Okay. Well, I'm never, <laughs> never too content just to show up and, and work. I got to make things a little challenging here, but, um, <laughs> to go way back, this, this class is honestly a reflection of my own personal Faith life. I always, I always meld my faith life with my teaching, not only for my students but but for myself. And um, I, I love the apologetics class, the Why Am I Catholic class. It really is. It's an intellectual look at the Catholic faith, and I think that's really, really important. Anybody who says that, uh, you know, oh, you've got to be small-minded to believe in God, to believe in Jesus and religion, and you know, I'd, I'd love to show them our former valedictorians who have entered religious vocations. I would love to talk to them um, just about the intellectual, um, just gravitas behind um, the Catholic faith. But going along with that, you can't just stop at the intellectual. And I got to a point in my own personal faith life where I felt like that's all I was doing, to be honest. And I just looked in the mirror and I said, I'm not doing what Jesus told me to do. And I'm not going where he told me to go. And I felt the need to connect with Catholic social teaching because I felt like I had been ignoring it for too long. And I'm at a little bit of an advantage now in my life in that all four of my kids have graduated from high school. So we can't use the busyness of raising kids as, as an excuse. We do have a little, bit, a little bit more free time on our hands now. And so what I did is I just honestly started to talk to people that I really respected, people of deep faith, 
people who had taught different courses uh, at Xavier, uh, priests and nuns, uh, former alumni. And then I started to reach out to people in the nonprofit world. And the neat thing about that was that um, a lot of the nonprofits in, in Cedar Rapids, in the area we wanted to focus on, they're part of our Xavier community. So and in a couple of cases, they're my former students. And so I, I knew them personally, and I really got a look and a respect at, at, uh, at their life and their world. And I finally said to myself, um, we need to do this, and we can't do it in the traditional way. I can't be in a classroom and tell you about homelessness and poverty and people who don't have enough food. And so after several years of planning and great support from our administration, um, we now have a new class. It's called To Be Saints. And so every other day for a couple of hours, I will load a dozen seniors in a van and I'll drive them to uh, Immaculate Conception Parish, which is the downtown Cedar Rapids Parish that serves a very, very diverse community uh, in terms of race and language in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And we meet there for about a half hour and we dive into the lives of saints. We have presentations on the lives of different saints and then we have different um, prolonged prayer activities. And then we go out and we work in nonprofits. Uh, we go to, yesterday we were at a place called Metro Catholic Outreach. It's our local food pantry. And we're rotating in between downstairs stocking shelves and we are passing out food. They, they distribute on Wednesday afternoons. And then we are working in the office when, when literally homeless come off the street and just um, need some help, need someone to talk to, need a hug, have a financial assistance appointment. And we sit in on that. And, you know, our goals are to call people by name. Um, I have to make sure, you know, I say it right. All community service is great. It really is wonderful. And we encourage everybody in every school and every parish to do it. But this is a theology class about Catholic social teaching. And we try to be authentic and we try to build relationships and learn people's names. And we didn't want to just show up and leave. You know, we didn't want to do the, the, the service project and then never be heard from again, because then we're here and they're there. And that world doesn't seem like our world. Um, and so, you know, over the course of the semester thus far, we have been at the food pantry. We're working with a group called Young Parents Network. We're working with a phenomenal group called the Ark of East Central Iowa, and they have adults with uh, developmental disabilities. And just today, I was so excited, I had to text my wife, not during school, because we can't have cell phones in the classroom. That's just an, as an aside. <laughs> of course, so, of course. <laughs> I had to text my wife and I say, I just lined up a trip where um, adults from the ARC are going to take our students and they're going to take them on city buses because none of our kids have ridden a, ridden a city bus before, but yet other people don't have transportation. And to not just be around and do activities with um, adults with developmental disabilities, but to have them lead us and teach us and learn their name, you know, I was just excited about that. And those are the types of experiences that we want our kids to have because we want them to have a servant's heart that carries well beyond Xavier High School. Wow, this is such an interesting class. Um, it sounds like you're doing great work. Let's go ahead and pause. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Mike. NCEA is proud to announce the launch of NCEA RISE, the new and revised family of NCEA religious education and community assessments. NCEA believes that faith is born and nurtured in community, and we can help you measure it. Find out more at www.ncearise.org. Blessings for all you do for all those you serve. We are back, and, and Mike has been sharing with us all about his class called to be saints. You know, you are literally 
inserting young people into the churches and mm-hmm. assisting them to see and understand their role in their daily life and community, um, their faith journey. Um, that's mm-hmm. exactly what our mission is of schools. So um, tell us more. <laughs> you know, another thing, another big advantage we have is that uh, Immaculate Conception, the parish that we work with, there are two priests there. And, um, you know, the world calls them Father Junkie and Father Conway. I call them Dennis and Aaron because they were both in my <laughs> class. They're both oh, former students. And they are wow. just fantastic, fantastic men of God who really want to get to know and to get to serve their community. They help us out. They show up and lead us through prayer activities. Um, Father uh, Father Dennis gave us a book to start off our class with called Soul of the Apostle, all about forming your interior life before you uh, work on your exterior life. Just the other week, I, you know, Father Aaron looked at me and he said, you know, Mike, you're working with the homeless in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, I just found out they don't have a place to shower. I wonder if there's even any chance that our parish could provide a place where homeless of Cedar Rapids could find a place to take a shower in the middle of the summertime. You know, and that kind of stuff just kind of got me excited. The more we do this, the more we can go ahead and um, partner with other groups and nonprofits because uh, a day before he had talked to me about that, I had been in a place called Green Square Park in in Cedar Rapids working with the Willis Dady Homeless Shelter. And wouldn't you know, the guy who runs it or one of the guys who who runs it, not the executive director, he's my former student. So Aaron (laughs) brought in six staff members, four of them uh, formerly homeless. And they talked to us in the middle of the, of the park where a lot of the homeless find a refuge and find a community in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So again, I could take my students and put them in my classroom and I could, I could have a killer PowerPoint on homelessness in America. I can knock your socks off with that. But they had to have that conversation and they got to listen to a story on how one of the homeless in their community had literally climbed up to the fifth floor of a parking ramp, was about to jump. And then four people from this park sprinted up there and pulled him off there and saved his life. And they were so humble and they were so quiet. And then one of the guys looked at another one of the formerly homeless staff member who, members who now works for Willis Dady and said, wasn't that you who did that? And he said, well, yeah, I was the first one there. And he didn't even want to mention it. Oh, he, wow. he literally saved this man's life and pulled him off a ramp. And to him, it was just, well, yeah, he lives here. He's one of us. You know, and so I, I think it helps us see that there's, you know, there's community everywhere. There's trust and there's friendship everywhere. And the more we can, the more we can see the face of Christ in different faces, the better off we are. I think so often it's difficult. It's not an easy task to line up all of these nonprofits and work with them and schedule with them. So mm-hmm. often our service projects turn into bringing money to school um, mm-hmm. or bringing cans for St. Vincent de Paul. Sure. But our students don't see where those cans go or who mm-hmm. eats from those cans or the effect that the money that they brought in can have on the individuals. And I know I called it a service project and you made a very distinct, a very big distinction. of It's not a service. It's not a service class. Um, right. Right. And, and um, oddly enough, during our homecoming week, which we've already had, we had a food drive for MCO, for our partner organization. And we had a, a really good turnout, you know, a couple thousand cans worth of, worth of food we got to take down there. But the kids in my class, they can look at it and say, well, 
I know. I, I put peanut butter on the shelves. I know what we're missing. I know what they don't have. I know that that organization gives out 550 jars of peanut butter a week. So we, you know, we sacrifice in air quotes when we contribute to these things. But to really see food insecurity um, up close, uh, it's a totally different story. It's a full understanding of the effect they can have on others and the joy they can bring others. And it gives your students a lot of purpose. I mean, you just mentioned your former students are working in the shelters. They're, they're priests. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have to think you might have had some effect on those choices. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of people doing a lot of good things. I never underestimate, um, you know, we, we like these big aha moments. And, and I think it's a, lot of, it's a lot of small moments. You know, it's every single night when your mother gives you that great advice. Um, instead of, you know, instead of before you save the world, go home and do the dishes and you know, <laughs> things right. Do little things. Right. And then it you'll, starts you'll, in the home. Thank you. Yes. Home. Yes. So, you know, um, if our listeners are interested in starting a program at their school, like mm-hmm. called to be saints, what would you mm-hmm. recommend and how should they begin? Um, I think the first thing that you have to do is, is, is to talk to people Every, every parish, every school, every community has a core group of people who you want to follow because you know they're people of deep faith and because you know they've got great ideas. And you can't, you've got to go outside of your school. You've got to go to your school and then go to your parish. And then you've got to see what other faith communities are doing in, in, you know, in your town that's, that's really working well, that's really effective. And then um, I think you've got to be authentic as possible. You've got to put a face on what, what it is that you're teaching. We always talk about the relevance uh, of everything that we do, and we always try to apply that to our teaching. But when we have relevance um, in, in such a kind of an in-your-face manner that, you know, I, I can see there's a need here. I can see that I just impacted somebody. And yeah, I, I tell my students, I'm not just the old guy preaching at you about limiting your phone intake. When all you do is communicate, you know, electronically, you don't see the impact your words and your actions have on somebody else. And until you can see the reaction on their face and the words that come back to you, you really haven't experienced it. So, you know, it was kind of lucky that it all worked together. Honestly, COVID had a part with it because for a while our school had um, kind of a hybrid system where students were coming and going during the day. And so we said to ourselves, okay, our students really can come here to school. We can take them off campus. We can learn to the best of our ability. And that kind of planted the seed again for, can we actually be off site? Can we be off campus to try to make this more authentic and to go out to our areas of need and and meet new people? So called to be saints is going to look different everywhere. And you know what? It, It got me thinking. One of my colleagues says, you've seen one Catholic school? You've seen one Catholic school, and and and, and I, I thought that was funny, and I and I know there's truth to it. But you know, mm-hmm. thinking about your program, you went out and utilized the resources, and the and you looked for the needs in your community. And our our Catholic schools, when we're doing it right, are an extension of that community. Um, oh. It's a reciprocal relationship between those in the community that serve you and it mm-hmm. should be those that we are serving ourselves. And I, so I, I think that might be why you see one Catholic school, you've seen one Catholic <laughs> school. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I could not agree more. I could not agree more. I think um, another thing that we're trying, oh, I'm sorry. Another thing that we're trying to do with the course is we're trying to be humble. Uh, this is our first year. We're learning a lot. We already know some things we're going to do differently next year, but we've already had so much good come out of it. Um, every Catholic school has to tell their story. And in a sense, they've got to promote themselves. But we really want to limit we want to limit the social media and we want to increase the social capital. You know, the social capital is basically face-to-face -face contact with people and face-to-face -face conversation, authenticity. And, you know, when we do that, when you've looked into the face of somebody who just genuinely says, thank you, that is, that's worth a million hashtags. Um, and, and so <laughs> we want to, we want to try to build that. And, you know, in, in a big sense, we would get to the point where our students say that, you know what, if there's struggles in our community, they're my struggles too. Even if I live in, in a nice, in a nice house, even if I live in a nice neighborhood, this is my community and those are my people. And I feel like I need to help them uh, as well. It's not us and them. It's not rich and poor. It's, you know, this, this is our community and what can we do to help each other? Is this why you teach? Um, it's part of it. It's part of it. Um, teaching is fun. It is so much fun. Um, every day brings something new. Uh, my wife will tell you that maybe my maturity level matches that of a teenager. <laughs> hey, so maybe that's my husband good, too. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a good match in that way, you know, but again, it's also a good match for some of the reasons I, I mentioned earlier. It's, it's a vocation and a job. And that is so rare. Um, I've gotten to the point where I can't fathom not wanting to go to work. I'm going to need an escape plan wow. on the day that I retire someday, but you know, I can't fathom just not wanting to be there because it is fun to be there and it is purposeful to be there. And I've got other people alongside me who are just good people to, uh, to share the ride with. What is something you hope your students remember about your class? I think the, the top thing would be that he was happy to be there. Um, I, I can break down the constitution with the best of them. And yes, if you're an AP gov, you're going to memorize that thing. Like there's no tomorrow, but you know, when he walked in the room, I, I could tell he was happy to be there and he believed what he said and he believed what he was doing. And at the drop of a hat, my students will tell you that my, uh, podium can turn into a pulpit and there are, <laughs> there are more important things than world history and American government, um, but I, I just want them to know that uh, I'm happy to be there with them and, you know, we're in it together. I'm sure they know. I am sure they know. Um, what is a strategy that no teacher should live without? Steal things. Steal things from. <laughs> I mentioned that I stole this really, really nice uh, microphone I'm talking into now from our school. I'm sure the selectively borrowed. It. <laughs> it will. It will come back home. But steal things from the best teachers that you know. Absolutely. And, you know, Everybody in the building knows that there are certain lead teachers and certain people um, who just do things really, really well. One of the best days of my teaching career is uh, several years ago when I had a student teacher and I said, you're in charge today. And I went out and I observed six different teachers in, in my building and they were from six different disciplines. You know, it was a math teacher, a Spanish teacher, an art teacher, a literature teacher. And I just observed how they worked, um, how they organized things, how they structured their assessments, how they interacted with their students. Um, and uh, th there were some commonalities among them that I, that I tried to emulate. And I think chief among that was they all had an incredible gift for teaching to a large group and an individual at the same time. 
they would purposefully say, here's the big picture. And then they would go after one student who was struggling, or they would identify one student who needed, needed help or who was doing real well for a compliment. And they had, they could see the macro and the micro at the same time. I thought that is genius. I'm going to try to steal that as much as possible. So steal whatever you can. That is not stealing, Mike. That is doing <laughs> research, research. Okay. <laughs> I've done a fair amount of research over my career. I, I know. I know. I can tell. Um, what about favorite scripture? Um, one that I always like to come back to is, is from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 13, which says that you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And it, it just, it centers me and it reminds me that it's a commitment on my part and it's a lifetime commitment. And if I do that, if I literally pursue God with all my heart, I will find him. I, I sometimes tell my theology seniors on the first day, if you're looking for nothing from this class, you've already succeeded. But if you're looking for a lot, I can help you find a lot. And so I, I truly believe that about anybody when they are searching, searching with all their heart that they find God. Wow. <laughs> um, favorite books. Oh, there's a lot of them. There's a I'm lot. Sure, of them. I'm sure you're doing a lot of stealing and research. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love Huckleberry Finn and it's not entirely for the content. It's because, you know, I grew up not far from the Mississippi river and did some fishing on the river okay. and the entire book, it, the pages, the pages flow like the river. It's, it's just, as you go through it, you just kind of feel like you're, like you're moseying through life. And I had uh, my mother was uh, uh, raised in a small community, Bellevue, Iowa, along the river, and you know, with the with the locks and dams, and Dubuque is there as well. It's just it, it's kind of neat. Reminds me of back in the day, and also it's just it's just a great great read. Um, I do like uh, I read everything that Tom Clancy wrote, kind of a combination of uh, history and Cold War uh, uh, types of things. There's another author called Vince Flynn, who wrote a lot of books uh, along those lines that I read. Um, there's my favorite history book is uh, it's called George Washington, the Indispensable Man. And it, it's just the life of, of Washington and very much like Lincoln, so many failures before he got it right. You know, such great life lessons there. And uh, it's also special to me because I bought it at, uh, at Mount Vernon on a, on a trip to D.C. with my family. So uh, there you go. that's a favorite. <laughs> yes, that's a favorite. Those sound like great books. Um... I know your shout out today is for your wife. Why did you mm -hmm. choose her? <laughs> How could I not choose her? <laughs> um, I, as I mentioned, when you, when you teach at a Catholic school, and this, and this goes for any teacher really, um, teaching is consuming and your family is victim to your schedule. Everything revolves yes. around a school schedule and you've got to have a great proper support group in order to do that. And, you know, my wife has been that for, for 30 years. Um, she was very, very encouraging at, at, at the start when things weren't going so well, when, when I couldn't find a job, when I was substitute teaching for a year and a half, when I was on the verge of going back to pursuing uh, another degree just, just to get a job. She said, no, you got this. And she was literally the one who spotted the want ad in the paper for me 30 years ago that led to my first job. Um, and she is, she is the best listener that I know. We're, we're a little yin and yang. You can maybe figure out which one of us likes to talk a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I have a guess. She's just, yes. She's just a tremendous listener. She's always been supportive. 
And uh, without Mrs. Goldsmith there, uh, Mr. Goldsmith is not the same. Oh, my goodness. That's so sweet. And she sounds like <laughs> a lucky, lucky woman. And um, she's done a good job helping you in your teaching. Thank you. Yes, she has. <laughs> so this has been a lot of fun. I can't believe our time is up. Um, we're going to have to have you back. Um, I'm sure you have so much more to share. But thank you, Michael Goldsmith from Xavier High School for joining us today. Thank, thank you, Laura. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to our NCA podcast listeners. Don't forget, if you're listening out there, the most valuable resource we have is each other. Do you or someone you know have something worth sharing? Let us know. We could be visiting your diocese and introducing you as our next podcast guest. Thank you. Thank you.